In this episode, we sit down with Morgan J. Ingram, the founder and CEO of Amp Media. He's also one of the most influential sales voices on LinkedIn. He has over 155,000 followers, and he's one of the main authorities on B2B content. This episode was a lot of fun. We talked about how much money B2B influencers are making. This was something I had no idea about. We also talk about what type of content is actually driving leads for B2B sales teams. And Morgan also shares how he's killing it at in-person events and conferences. If you get just a little bit of value from this, please do me a favor and share it with a friend that you think might find it interesting or give us a quick rating on Spotify or app. All right, let's get into the episode. Today, I am joined by Morgan Ingram. This is someone I'm very excited to talk about or talk with, I should say. Uh, Morgan has had like, I would say three main chapters to his career that I think he'll, he'll be able to jump into, but uh, he was one of the first salespeople to really start documenting things on, on video and creating content in the SDR Chronicles. Then he joined as the director of sales execution at John Barrows, um, who is one of the best sales trainers in the game. So, uh, that was really awesome to see the growth there. And then most recently, Morgan is the founder and CEO of AMP. And uh, I can't wait to hear more about that and, and where you guys stand today. But Morgan, how's it going? It's going great, man. It's going great. How about yourself? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, really excited to to have this conversation today. So let's jump straight into it, right? I feel like AMP is kind of the culmination of your career up to this point. So can you kind of share this like founding story and how you ended up here? Yeah. So it was last year. I... After JV Sales, I joined another company. I was only there for, I wasn't there too long and I resigned. And then I just felt like there was this need for better content as a whole, more content around video. And I also, because of all the training that I had been doing, that I had noticed that AppBot was dying. Now, when I say dying, that means deteriorating, not like dead, because I know some people will come after me, but like it's just dying, right? It's just, it's not the same. I think everyone can agree to that. So my whole path from there was, what is something that I can do that, again, to your point, culminates all these different things? And so I just started thinking about everything that I've done in my career from the SCR Chronicles to Muffins and Morgan to all these different things that I've done. They all were productions that created demand that eventually allowed me to sell whatever I was selling at that point in time. And so then I was like, what if I could do the same for other organizations? And there have been a multitude of pivots that I've taken to figure that out, but I always knew that was what I was solving. And, and we've gotten closer to that today. We're, you know, we're getting closer every single day. And I think that's what every company, but that was really the genesis. It was September. I'd left October. I really kind of took the month off and was trying to figure things out. November it hit me. And I was like, I believe that it's all about productions in order, in order to produce, you have to like ascend, there has to be an ascension. And then I was like, okay, so there's media. And so I came up with Ascension Media Productions, but that's like a mouthful. And then like, ironically, like I wasn't even trying to do this. It's it shortened for AMP. And I was like, that sounds way better uh, <laughs> than Ascension Media Productions. So so uh, this, the new AMP change happened about a month ago, but you know, for, for a, a while, I just kind of kept it as Ascension Media Productions. Cause I was like, okay, let's so make it like official. And then I was like, AMP just sounds cooler. It sounds better. We're trying to amplify brands anyways. And so that's how it all went down. Um, I just, I always wanted to go into marketing anyways. What I do is more marketing, but again, I actually tell people that we're more of a bridge, uh, between marketing and sales at this point. 
Because if one of those are not good, you actually can't win in today's market. The So first of all, when I first saw that you had named the company Ascension Media Productions, I was like, man, what is this guy thinking? Like, that is too hard to say. And then I saw the thing. Then I was like, oh, it's, he called it AMP. I'm like, okay, makes so much more sense. That's great. Um, and now it's gone through the full transformation. But it's like, like the first kind of like media thing I started was literally called Jason Locke Productions. And like <laughs> the most unoriginal thing in the world. So I, <laughs> I'm only critiquing, I was only critiquing it from a place that I had also been before. Um, but so I guess give, <laughs> give it the high level. Like what is... Um, what does AMP do today? Like, how are, how are you guys serving your clients? So the at at the so simple thing is we are a B two B media production company that focuses on videos, content, and then event activations. And so we focus every single thing that we do. We focus on the three A's: so amplify, acquire, and advocate. So the first part is amplify. So any existing marketing or sales, whatever you're looking to do, we amplify that. Two is then acquire. So when people amplify something, like, oh, we did this big event, we did this big webinar, how are you acquiring net new customers? How are you acquiring new people in your database? We help you do that. And then advocate. We want to make sure that whatever you do is so good, people just talk about it. Your buyers, potential clients, people in the marketplace, so people know about your brand more. So that's the three A's. And then from that, we have four different offerings. So our first offering is being a production partner. So we'll help you produce your video podcast. We believe that just doing a podcast without video is a complete waste of time. That's my take on it because you you could just you could just add the video in there and then you have clips to other platforms. Like I just think it's just doing audio only doesn't make any sense to me at all. So we help you with that. We also help you produce a show. So that could be like a webinar series. We've done this with different clients already, virtual events, et cetera. And that's production partner. We're really just helping on that. Two is event activations. As we all know, right now, as we record this, we're at the end of September. Things are crazy. Uh, we just, we're about to get in October and we have two event activations that we're doing and we're doing our own event in October as well. And I guarantee if we had this conversation next year, it'd be, we'd be somewhere doing an event activation. So we're doing that uh, and how we do that, we can discuss. And then the third thing is we're helping with founder-led content, uh, but we're really focusing on helping you with your video presence, essentially. Uh, so we're giving you that strategic narrative on how to go about it and then say, hey, if you want to go to events and video, like we can help there. So that's that piece on that on top of that. And then four is just anything that is a special project. So, you know, anything that's like completely outside of like a normal thing that we would do, uh, we help you there. So an example would be last year, I wasn't running AMP, but it kind of led into this. We did a special project with the content house. Right. So we do things like that where it's like, well, this is way out of the box, but we're going to come in and do that piece. So that's how we help with clients today. Got it. That, that makes lots of sense. And I think the one thing you touched on there was the founder led content. I haven't heard that phrase before. Obviously, I've dealt with founder led sales a bunch, but let's talk about the founder led content. Cause to me, when I'm talking to other leaders or startups, that, that always seems like a big opportunity for folks that they should be thinking about more. So, um, tell me, tell me more about like the opportunities that you see with founder like content and like, who do you think is doing that really well right now? Oh my gosh, I'm just kidding. So no, <laughs> but, 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 in all, in all, in all seriousness. So what I think of founder like content, it's essentially megaphoning your message beyond your calls. So the way, and this, we're going to talk about this later, but the way that I think about, and I have to talk to founders 
is I have to tell them that my job is not to help you become an influencer. This was a huge obstacle with one client I work right now and when we're rolling right now. He didn't want to do the content because he saw it as becoming a LinkedIn influencer. He's like, I'm not trying to become you. I don't need to create content every single day, et cetera. And I'm like, that's the wrong way of thinking of it. We're creating content because your goal is going to be a revenue amplifier. Different conversation. We're creating content to amplify the revenue that you're going to make by having another channel to go get it. You're on these calls all day long, but you can't. You can't be on calls all day long. So we have to figure out how to amplify your thoughts that get revenue on the platform, right? So that's an example of of, of doing that. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout them out because I've seen the work that they've done and they they do have a lot of help there with Devin and, and Kyle, but I believe uh, the, the CEO of Clary, you know, he's doing a great job of putting himself out there. I think everyone knows what he's doing. They know what the company's about. Clary is a reputable brand, but they're doing a really good job, right? Uh, another person, he's not the he's not the founder, and it can even be like executive led content growth, to be honest, because like it doesn't always have to be the founder. To be fair, the CMO at Zapier, has been going crazy, right? He's been putting out some crazy good content. So shout out, shout out to him. Like I I, I follow him, and I'm like, wow, this is some really good stuff. Like I really like what he's doing over there. So those are just two immediate examples. I know there's a ton of people out there that are continuously creating and putting themselves out there. But my thing is you're, I say founder led growth, but it really is just executive led growth. Who on your team is getting involved? And the thing is the way that we do that with clients is more so saying, Hey, what topics matter to the people you're trying to get in front of and let's get them involved. So I, I used to be like behind the scenes and help them do like some writing and I'd write it for them. And I found that like, that wasn't personally my strength or our team's strength. And we found that actually by giving people the strategic direction on what they should write and giving them the pen got them more excited and, you know, fired up to do more of it. And the long-term play with this is that the reason we want to build up these executives is because we want them to then get input into our productions for, for AMP side. So we want to put them inside of the webinars. We want to put them inside of the shows and people know who they are. Not just that's the CMO. It's like, that's the CMO and I know who that person is. So that's like the way that we think about it. And those are like two key great examples of people doing good right Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I think one other person, I'm not sure if you've seen, there's a, a company called Equals. That's a, like, a, I think a, a Series A startup and their founder and CEO, Bobby Panero. He's been, I think, doing an awesome job because he's been doing two things. One, he's been... He's been sharing product updates. So he's like showing how fast they're shipping stuff and he's getting on camera and it's not like, it's not highly produced. It's like pretty basic, but he's out there just talking about it. And he's like, he, to your point, he is talking to the people he's selling to. He's like, Hey, when I was an analyst, I would have killed to have a feature like this when I was digging through spreadsheets. And now we're building this in equals or like we just ship this in equals. And so I think like that was, that's another example that I've, I've been seeing where the founders out there and, and creating the content. Um, and I think the, the other thing you mentioned too, that was, that's really key is like pick on the topics that matter to your stakeholders that you're trying to sell to, right? Because there are, there's probably, my guess is like, there's not going to be many more Justin Welsh's or Morgan Ingram's from created from LinkedIn. Cause it's going to be so hard to cut through the noise and people realize that like there is, you guys were doing because you really liked it in the beginning, right? And it, it grew. But now everyone's like, oh, there's like, there's a dollar amount attached to it in in some way. And so I think it's gonna be hard for people to cut through it. But I think the biggest opportunity is kind of what you're saying is 
if you can just create content that's geared very much towards your end customer, that's going to build your expertise with them and that's what's going to turn into revenue. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, that's a fantastic point. If you want to go be those people, great. I don't suggest it. Especially if you're running a company. Like I think it's a fool's errand. And I'm speaking from my own experience. And you can be like, oh, Morgan, you have 150. I'm just letting you know that just doesn't make sense. Like you can't, you, what you're trying to do is geared towards something that you're not going for. He's created, in Justin's, in Justin's case, right? He's created that mechanism because he sells on the back end courses, whatever, et cetera. That's what he's building. If you're not building that, then it doesn't really make sense for you to have all that that attention because you just have attention of attention. And it might have the attention that you want. So when I'm ta- when I'm talking to the executives, I'm like, hey, look, focus on just look at your likes, look at your comments. Are those potential buyers? Are are they people in pipeline? Great. That's what we did with uh, one of his clients. We just looked at it and said, hey, look, okay, you got 40 likes. Oh, it didn't go viral. I'm like, okay, look at the 40 likes, right? 30 of those people were, you know, CROs or people in pipeline. One person messaged the person to, to close a deal. I'm like, okay, we'll take these 40 likes because you got a deal versus 4,000 likes. And then like, you got to go reply to every single comment and, and DM and you didn't get a deal. Which one do you want? Right. And I don't think people understand that that's what you want is the first part, not the second part, because it got a, you got the dopamine hit. Right. It's, it's, it's the, it goes back to that like hundred true fans concept. Right. And, um, and it's, it's a marketing is shifting much more towards, or like, I think the best marketers are shifting their focus towards high intent leads, not just like top line MQLs, which is essentially like the difference of, of likes and someone that actually is now interested in your product. Exactly. Um, what are, is there anything that you think companies are doing too much of, or like that they're, they're getting wrong on the marketing side right now? Oh man. So we don't have, you know, this is a whole other episode. So the thing is, I say this and like, when I first, this is so important. When I first started looking at the tech, I wanted to be a marketer. I actually applied. I don't even know how they can let me in, to be honest, but I applied for a VP of marketing role at like a seed company. And I came in with like this massive, like 20 page thing on how I can help impact their marketing. And by the way, I had never done a marketing job. And I got to the final interview. <laughs> and the only reason I didn't get it is because they they hired the agency or they were they giving it to me. So I, I had always just been in that mindset, but then I went to be an SDR and I went from there. So but ironically enough, y'all, I never wanted to be in sales. And people say that, but I actually did not want to be in sales. I only took the job because we were selling to marketers and I wanted to learn more marketing. And it just by happenstance, I became what happened in sales. I, I didn't even want that. So that, that's the that's the crazier part about it. And so I'm saying all that is in when I was studying marketers and I was reaching out to them, these are three things that are being done that I don't get. So number one is ebooks and white papers. I don't understand why people even still make these because the people that make them don't even read them from other companies. So I don't know why people still spend fifty, eighty, hundred thousand dollars on these things. I just I just don't get it. So I think that's the biggest mistake right now. Now, I, I will say if you create a downloadable asset, maybe it's like a one page playbook or like something of that nature. I think that's okay. But if you're going like 50, 80, you just shouldn't be doing that at this point. I think it's completely pointless and and it's a waste of resources. Uh, number two is, look, I've been to a lot of events this year. That's probably where the majority of 
the revenue that we've made is me going to events or things of that nature, right? To to see what the market, see what's going on in the market. People are wasting their time on booze holistically. Now, I do believe if you invest into booth and you have a good event, event activation, which is what we help with, right? That's going to be great. But I would say 90%, I go around the expo every single time. 90% of these people spending money on booze, you're just completely throwing your money out the window. Your sales reps are sitting there twiddling their thumbs. No, there's no activation. There's the same swag, a coffee mug, a shirt, and some koozie that no one cares about. And then you scan badges because you have a quota to hit. And you follow up with them and say, hey, nice meeting you at the booth. And we never met at the booth. I don't get it. So I, that just needs to stop. And so I don't know why that's done. I mean, shout out to shout out to Clary and, and some other people who you know buy out lounges and things of that nature. And they're able to get things done. Right. And so that's that's an absolute key. Then the third thing is not allowing the employees to post. This is a weird one because you're like, okay, I don't want you to post because it needs to be marketing approved. Well, what you've done up to this point has not worked on your LinkedIn company page and you don't have the personality. You have to have a personality out there. That's where things are leaning towards. So if you're like, it needs to be approved by marketing that actually defeats the purpose of what you're looking to build, which then doesn't inherently help you. And I also look at it and I'm like, well, why would you prevent someone from creating the content when they probably are going to leave and there are someone of talent and they're going to go do that somewhere else and you, and you could have had that for both parties to win. So those are three mistakes that I just seen right now and I just don't get it because it doesn't lead to any results and people keep spinning on it. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I'm missing something. So that last piece I want to touch on because I felt, even as an executive, when I was back in my last company, I I felt torn. I was like, okay, creating content seems like a, a good thing to do, but then am I signaling to my team that I'm not focused on the job or like what could be helping them? And so I was personally torn on that, even though eventually I got to that conviction, like, hey, it is the right thing to do. Um, and then I think the other piece you mentioned too, where yeah, companies aren't encouraging people to post or training them how to to do it in a meaningful way. I think that's like, that's a huge missed opportunity because I think, those people generating eyeballs on what they're doing and their traffic is largely very helpful unless they go rogue and do something terrible, right? But like that rarely happens. Um, but like, let me ask you, I mean, you're, I think probably your biggest growth came during your time with John Barrows, right? JB, I mean, how many, how much traffic did that guy, that drive for you guys just for you by amplifying your own brand? Absurd. An absurd amount. Traffic was crazy. Uh, and, and, and we were both posting at a very high volume for those, what, 20, 2017 to about like 2021. Yeah. So about the three and a half, four years, right. We, we were, we were getting after it and a lot of people would see our content and that led to a lot of the inbound hundred percent. And so I think just not doing it just doesn't make sense. Uh, and I, and also what I mean by that is I don't think that everyone in the organization should post. I'm going to clarify that. I think there should be a select amount of people, but for us, yeah, when I went over there, you know, it was, it was, it was big and there was a lot of demand there. Yeah. I, th I think it's when done right, right. If, if you are enabling the right people to do it, the, particularly I'll say this, the, you should enable the people that are the, that are experts at what you're selling into, right? So if you're selling into product folks, like encourage and get people from your product team 
to post, right? The experts on that that have thought leadership that people might want to follow. And the salespeople can can post about that stuff too in, in ways because they know the product and the, the landscape. Like sales and marketing probably always have some free reign to post, but I think it's activating the people, your own subject matter experts on what you're selling internally is like the big unlock. Yeah, exactly. And you have to be, again, be selective about these people. Don't get everyone on the team. That's just, that's not it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's much harder to do and make, will certainly make some people feel uncomfortable. Um, let's talk about content processes. What's your own content machine look like these days? So I take the model from, you know, my boy, Gary V, uh, and, and others, uh, it's been super straightforward. So most people, you know, treat it as a waterfall. We call it the angel falls method. It's really simple. So we'll we basically all go shoot content in person. Uh, my production team lives in, around me, so it's easy. So we go shoot in person and then we just focus on topics that we want to get asked. So if it's like, Hey, I, I really want to focus on well, now we have like five main topics we've shifted towards. So let's say, for example, like edutainment one-on-one. So it's like, cool, edutainment one-on-one. We come up with the questions. My style, again, everyone's style is different. My style is ask me the question. I can, I know the answer. So I asked you to ask me the question on the spot. I have an answer. Boom, that's the content. And so we just bang out all those videos. And then that allows for like text posts, shorts, long form, et cetera. And so that's, that's like huge part of it. Number two is just, I have a recorder phantom. I know there's all sorts of different recorders out there, but I use phantom. And at the end of like the week, I have tons of calls I'm on and I'm just sharing my insights and those are actually posts. So I go through there, do the summary and I figure out what the post could be. And then three, a lot of it is just sharing the journey and documenting. So as I did in the SEO Chronicles days, one thing transparently, I haven't done the best job of is transferring what this journey has been like because I've just been in the weeds. So I just, I'm like, I don't have time to, to talk about it. I'm just trying to do a whole lot of stuff. So by the time I get a time to think about it, like there's more, there's still actually more things to do. So now what I'm doing is I'm going to start shifting towards like doing just like a video journal of what that looks like. So that people understand what's going on. Right. And that, that's the piece I'm going to take next. Yeah. I think that all makes sense. And then in terms of like you, you shoot the video, then they're editing it. And then are you creating like a like the when you're posting on LinkedIn, are you then writing a post to go alongside that video? Like, what does that process look like? Yeah. So basically, each segment, each question has a portion, and then it's segmented out, segmented out from that portion. So, so for example, there may be a question like, "What's your favorite sales navigator tip?" And then I give the tip, and then that is a clip. Then there's another one. We ask a question. I answer that's a clip and it goes from there. So then we, then we piece it up into the, into the content system that we have. So we just click up and then we say, okay, boom, here's all the clips. When should we post it? Does it fit with X narrative that we're on, et cetera. And then we go from there. So like, that's basically the piecing and that's like the mapping, like how it all goes out. Uh, so I'm, I'm going through the same thing. We, we're using notion to organize all that stuff, but um, in terms of getting the posts out, are you scheduling them in any way or using any content schedule or are you just, drafting them up in ClickUp or whatever, and then posting them when the calendar hits? Uh, that piece. So the thing is that like everyone's, everyone can do what they need to do. I typically will just take the post and post it so that I can engage right there. Uh, however, if I'm traveling as I am now, like I have a VA and the VA will post it because like I'm on the move, right? And so it can get posted. Like I think a lot of people probably do 
things similar. Like I just, it's a, you need, I just need to get done. And like, if you're running around, like you just don't have time for it. So once it's posted, then boom, I engage. But I, I basically spend, and I did this when I was at GB sales because I was gone all the time and I dropped off from it because I didn't need to do it as much. But now as things are getting busy again and things are getting like, okay, this is what's going on. I'm, I'm going back to it. Plus it's just easier to do. Funny enough, I'm doing it tomorrow. So at the end of every month, I'll block off half the day and I just call it content day. So all I do is just like write content, look at the videos, edit them, et cetera. And I literally do, con I just put everything on the calendar for the month. And then anything that needs to be added on, like a deliverable that maybe I missed or something in nature, then I can add it on and do it from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that piece, piece is key. And I found it for myself is that you have to carve out the time and respect that time to create the content. Cause it does, it, it does take time. But to, before you do that, you have to adapt the mindset. It's like, hey, content is part of my job. And unless you unless you think that as part of your job, the same way you think about the other tasks of your job, it's going to be impossible to sustain making the content. Um, so that's why it's just like, I just took ownership of it. And the, like, I think as you're building something, it's a little bit harder. Because I was like, I was like, okay, I'm like in the throes. Like, I'm not really trying to do that right now. But now that I'm in a better spot and I'm like, I'm very clear what needs to happen that I'm like, all right, cool. I can get back into the content and dive deeply into it. And then now it's, I'm set up. I don't have to think about it once I'm into the month. I did, I did the work there. Yeah. With speaking of, of content stuff, was there anything that you tried this year that worked out really well or anything you tried that flopped? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is based on circumstance, but it did flop. I did wasn't, I wasn't fired up about it. But, and that's why I'm like, okay, we probably got to do it again. So I did, I, I did a, I did a launch week to, to talk about AMP, right? Dropped the video, did the whole thing. On the Friday that we dropped the final video for the call to action to get people to come through, we didn't have that many people come through as I thought. At the, and, and here, and, and there's probably other reasons too, but at the same time, the SVB situation was going on. Same day. So like for me, it was like, okay, we spent like two months, month and a half, like getting the video, doing the shoot, the, the storytelling, the whole thing. Like we build up all the hype Friday drops, SCV happens. So people obviously aren't interested. And I could have obviously been more clear looking back at it. So I was like, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I was like, dang, like this was perfectly set up and it, and it did not go the direction that I thought it would go. I remember when, when you released that and I was like, man, this is like, this is some high quality shit. Like this is highly produced. This is, this looks really good. And, but I was also like, I had questions like, I wonder how this will, I wonder how it's going to play out. And now that I'm, you're talking about it, I wonder like, right, you're coming up on a year of this. I wonder what it will look like if you did, you told like part of that story, plus like what's transpired during their first year and where you can highlight some case studies or things that have gone really well and how that may perform especially now that you have social proof behind it yeah yeah and, that, and that's the thing like i i had people tell me well how it seems it was one of the best and i have the best there was one of the best launches they've seen right the uh, the two main thing and i actually love that you said that the two main things that i that i saw were one i wasn't as clear on what the how was i had the why i was like boom i had the premise but then it was like how do you act how do we actually do this? Um, 
I didn't I didn't get that. And I and I and I look at that. I was like transparent. Like, okay, that's fair. But then two, right? When you have a whole situation where all the tech companies are collapsing and they don't have money, you're probably not worried about some dude who just started a new thing, right? So it just it, the the combination of both of those was not was colossal. I was not happy. I was like, what? But I was just thankful that I did it. To be honest, even though it's high production, like. I'm willing to take big swings. And even if it doesn't lead to what I, what I thought it'd be, I know that I did it. I know people saw it. They were like, that wasn't okay. Well, you just go on something there. And to your point, I think the second time that we did it around, now that we know what the setup is and we can set up in a certain way, based on our feedback, we can make that more actionable and it makes more sense moving forward. So that, that, yeah, that was one where I spent a lot of time into that one. And then I was like, are you kidding me? But it ended up being like, a really good learning lesson. And I know exactly how to like roll that out if I want to do it again, which I will. I mean, I think the week long piece was, I think it's, there's a lot to it. And I think I could just make it a lot cleaner next time. So there's that. And then uh, what's been the most successful sales in the streets, man. Like I that love that. Idea. I love that series. <laughs> like it just, it, it's so wild how that all came together because I literally, as I wrote that post, like I came out, we came out of Atlantic station. I was with my, my business partner had a, had a content and we were just like, yo, like, why don't we just, why don't we just like film these business owners who are here and just ask them sales questions. And then that, that vibe. And then we did it at Porsche. And then, you know, we've been invited to other places to do it. I did a Slack activation doing the same thing. So I was just like, this is it. And so, yeah, you'll see more content coming from us uh, from that in the next couple of weeks and, and, you know, the rest of the year. But that series has been a ton of fun to do because I was like, wow, okay, this is it. But yeah, I, I love that. And I think I think that has like really high potential. That's the type of content I think that uh, is has the niche and mass appeal, right? The the same way that um, like someone like Justin Welsh can have niche solopreneur appeal, but he's also talking about this dream of like breaking the chains of the corporate world. And I think um, that type of this like sales industry, like everyone's curious, like, how people think about sales at car dealerships or like some of these other places. So uh, I'm excited to see more of that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a fun one. Um, so I think uh, I want to, I want to talk about B2B influencers here for a second, because this is for me, B2B influencers. I know they exist. I know they're out there, but I don't really know much about them. I know, I know the, like the B2C influencer play, right? You see that on TikTok and Instagram everywhere, but What's the current state of B2B influencers and where is it going? All right, look, my my opinion on this is most likely different than everyone's. Y'all do have to understand I've been doing this since the beginning. I've been doing this for seven years and I, and I already see how this is potentially going to play out. So when you think of the B2B influencer, it's different than the B2C influencer. The B2C influencer is all there's, there's a, first of all, there's a lot more of them the B2B influencers, right? And in the transaction is different. Hey, I wear these socks. I have a 25% off code by these socks, right? It's pretty transactional. Now for the B2B companies, and I'm I'm in these, I'm in these um activations as well. They want to do they want to try to do the same thing, but it's just not, it's just not how it's gonna work. Like, because it's just a longer term thing. Like, if you buy a pair of socks. You don't, you're not, you're not going to eight to 12 decision makers to figure out if you want to buy a pair of socks. Like, it's like, you want the socks or not, right? Like, it's pretty straightforward. Like, like I don't, don't have the, to go. 
You don't need to multi-thread the sock decision. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, oh, we got a, a champion and like a healthy skeptic. Like, <laughs> Unless you're buying Bombas because those are expensive as fuck. But besides that. <laughs> but for the most part, like you're not doing that, right? And so it's easy. Not, I'm saying not, not saying it's easy to be a B2C influencer. I'm just saying it's easier to promote that and, and really live off of being a B2C influencer. More appeal, more brands can be done. For the B2B brand, three, four, five, six month sales cycle, if I just do a promoted post for you, it's only for awareness. You're looking for these downloads and clicks and things of that nature, but like, that's not always going to be the case. So the way that I think about this is different, and I have and I have data to prove this. So I've done this with a client already, so I know this is where we're going. I just don't think a lot of people want to take this route because they'd rather get all the oh, I want to get the deals, I want to get the, the, the posts. And I'm like, it's too short-term thinking. I, that's not how I am and most people are, but I'm not. So my thought process on the future of the B2B influencer is what I'm calling the subject matter expert integration. And what I mean by that is you go inside of an organization, you get integrated with their customers, their product, and what they want to do marketing-wise and you are the conduit of that brand. You are the spokesperson. I don't like to call it evangelist. I, I just, I don't like that. I like to call it just subject matter expert integration because you have to be credible in order for this to work, right? You gotta understand go to market. You gotta understand the product. You gotta be able to talk to customers and they gotta be able, they gotta wanna talk to you. So this takes a little bit longer to get there, right? And I may be speaking on because I've been around longer, but like, I believe there is more opportunity there. And I also, again, have been doing it with the client right now. We're, continue, we're actually expanding that relationship and I'm even doing it with only select brands though. That's the key though. In B2B, you can't you can't be promoting 20 brands because as a B2C influencer, I could, do, I could do a hat, I could do a shirt, I could do glass, it makes sense. I can't promote 10 brands right now and say I'm using, that's not real. Uh, so I keep it very, very selective. It's not part of like our main service because it's selective. We actually proactively go out their uh, accounts and say, this is what we like to do with you, or they come to us and we have the conversation. But that's how I, that's how I think about this. Subject matter inter, matter integration is what you'll see moving forward. People taking a subject matter expert that is a content creator and, and getting them inside the organization, and they act as if they are the employee, but they still have free reign to do what they need to do. Obviously, make sure that they're not going after competitors and things of that nature. And you go from there, and you find complementary tools around that, and then. That's the way that I see it moving forward. And then, yeah, you still will tap influencers, do posts and come on webinars. And I believe that's important to amplify yourself, but you do need someone to be an integrator. Otherwise, you're, you're just going to get cooked because more people are going to do this, I promise you. Do, and what do you think, like what's the responsibilities of that person when they're there? Are they hopping on sales calls? Are they just talking to employees? Like what do you think they're getting paid to do? And this is this is, this is is a newer concept as I've been going into this, right? Um, I'd say number one, is they need to be incorporated in your webinars and subway. So whether they're a host or a panelist, they're involved, right? It's going to increase your lift. It's going to increase your attendance. It's going to increase your registrations. So that's number one. Number two is they're probably posting some content on LinkedIn, branded content that makes sense. So it's like, oh, okay, they're with them, right? That makes sense. Uh, three, they get like really immersed in the product. So they should know what the product actually does and they probably should be using it so they can speak to it and say, Hey, this is how this product goes. Right. Uh, that's another thing that needs to happen as well. And then 
in terms of talking to customers, I think that's something that you have to vet with the, with the client, see if they want to do that. I, I think it should be like, maybe it's like a monthly wrap up, like, hey, we have so-and-so, here you go. But I think at the end of the day, like that's something that they could be dive into as well. And the things I'm mentioning is what I do for other clients. There's some other things that we do that are extended, like in-person um, in person appearances or activations. It just depends on what the client wants, but these are the things that you can do. It's, you know, the it's really fascinating to me because you expect influencers at this point on social media, but you don't necessarily expect them in the B2B world. And so now I'm, I'm having my own mental block of like, oh shit, like, I saw this post on LinkedIn. Are they being paid to write this post? Because it's not nearly as obvious the way that it is on TikTok or Instagram. But I'm sure that will change over time. It will change over time. You'll. The thing is, there are always going to be people who are B2B influencers on the come up and they're going to take short-term opportunities to get paid an extra 500 to to $1,000 to $2,000 wherever they get paid to post. That's fine. What I'm telling you is what's going to happen. Because as you get to a certain point, you're not going to want to do that. You're just going to be integrated in a company. You can pay X amount good 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 money and then you go from there and then you can actually show your true value it's hard to show your true value by being just an ad because that's effectively what you are my goal is not to just be an ad but most content creators in the b2b influencer unfortunately you are just now an ad i'm not trying to hate i'm not trying to call people out i'm just saying you effectively right now are an ad so at some point an ad could be replaced an integrator cannot be cannot as be replaced as much for ballpark and i'm not sure if you know this but what is the most money you've seen a B2B influencer get paid? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Might be in my room. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, like, like, uh, might be with the world. Maybe I've seen. Um, that's a good question. Let, let's just assume. Let's assume it wasn't you. Let's just assume it was some other person. But um, I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I have no idea what these numbers. I like. I've, I've heard someone throw around like 500 bucks, but that's literally the only data point I've heard. Yeah, that's that's just for sponsored posts. I mean, for sponsored posts, you get 500 to 2,000, right? And that's with an audience? Uh, Okay, so I'd say 500 bucks if you're just starting out. So you probably have 5,000 to maybe 20,000, 30,000, right? Once you go to 30,000 plus, you should be charging 750 uh, up until probably 75, 80. Uh, once you get to the 80 range, you should be doing thousand plus, And then from that point, you can make your discretion. But yeah, most people starting out, they'll get like 500, right? 400, 500 for the posts, right? Nothing crazy. But again, they're, again, you have to think about it. They're treating you as an ad. So you have to think about how much they would pay for an ad and figure out what the return on that is. And then figure out what could I get in return if they were to put X amount into it. Um, also, it's how much credibility you have in the space. What I tell people is like, look, even if X amount I got, if someone has X amount of less engagement, but they have, but they have more credibility in this space. It's still going to, the views and likes outweigh because they actually trust that person versus some people, let's just keep it transparent, get a lot of engagement, but they're in pods. So it's not real. They're not, they don't really have the trust and authority of the audience. So like that's actually fake at the end of the day, right? They could have more engagement than me, but those a thousand people don't even vibe with that person. They're just a pod. Look for that engagement, right? Like there's got to be engagement on these posts. Right. There's optics here that people miss. So um, do I know the the extreme amount? I mean, look, I'll tell I'll say like five hundred to two thousand is where you get on sponsored posts. But when you start getting into the bigger pieces, yeah, you could get thirty to eighty. You could go beyond that. Just be transparent with y'all. But it just depends on what level of engagement you have. So there's sponsored post 
And then once you get past that threshold, then it's like, hey, we want you to do a campaign or we want you to hop on a webinar or whatever. You get paid for that. And then there's like the next level where the integration level, that's like where I see the stage is at across the board. That's awesome. That, thank you for breaking that down. I think you, you demystified a lot just for me personally. So if no one else gets used from that, I'm sure I will be thinking about that a lot. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's jump into the topic of AI and sales and marketing. I know there's something that I think you may have recently hosted a, a talk about this, um, but I'm curious, like what are the level one, like basic level things that every team should be doing? And then can you compare and contrast that versus like the most advanced stuff that you've seen teams doing? For AI, I think, I think like the basic of the basic levels is like just get, just getting in the tool and using it and understanding how to use props and and using it uh that way so you can just get an understanding um that's like the basic level that i would say because you can start just putting in prompts and starting to train your train the ai on how you go about prompts and inputting emails etc I think that's actually like basic level is starting to put your emails in there and saying, Hey, can you, you know, Hey, here's my rules. Here's how I go about it. What's your thoughts, right? It kind of go in that direction. The advanced level is when you start using it as a testing ground. So you put emails in there, but you put your buyer personas in there and your challenge and priorities. And now you're asking it to rate the email based on the buyer personas and what they care about. That's where you get to the next level. So the basic level is just like asking for like, you know, reviews, whatever. But the next level is saying, Hey, look like, can you like analyze this as if you're a CMO? Can you analyze this if you're a CRO? That also makes it helpful as well. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I think some of the the other use cases I've seen are having ask you questions to clarify things, right? Whether particularly marketing, right? If you're trying to clarify your brand voice or your positioning on something, is you give it the scenario of what you're trying to to do and say, okay, I need you to prompt me with questions to help me drill down to that. I think that that's a good use case. And the other thing I've been using a lot for is particularly if I'm going to speak with a new client or a prospect is I just ask it to explain what that that company does in as simple as terms as possible. Like I'll say, explain this to me as if I'm a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 20-year-old. And with those three explanations, I can usually get a pretty good handle on it. Um, but that's been one of my my basic hacks. And I think that's a, an excellent way to go about it as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's... Uh, Let's jump into a, a few more like tactical things or and just like some stuff from that you've been involved with. So in terms of your own kind of marketing initiatives, anything that you guys have been doing that's been particularly scrappy or outside of the box that we haven't talked about yet? I saw this question and I was like, I mean, all, I, everything we do is scrappy. So but like, what, what, we, what, are we, what, what are we not, what are we not doing that's, that's not scrappy? Um, Mm. You know, I think the I think the the main thing, I guess you can see this is scrappy, but I just think this is just like makes sense. Like we know that the best place to be right now is events. And we also know that the people that we want to get in our content are at events. So on top of the event activations that we're already doing for clients, like the way that we've been really doing that is like getting interviews and getting content from those people that are already there. And then, and then giving them content that we're post-producing, post-producing, but then doing it in their branding. Right. Right. That I think 
that makes a lot of that makes tons of sense for you guys in particular too. Right. But but also but also as well, like, yes, it makes a ton of sense for us. But I think everyone can do a component of what I'm talking about. It's like, how can I go somewhere? We're gonna shoot the content, but then it's like we'll give it to you in your own branding. It has actually nothing really to do with us. We might throw the amp logo a little on the side or whatever, but we're we're not gonna go too crazy with it. This is all your branding. So that's really been probably something that's been helpful for us. We went to Sasser Dreamforce. We were able to do that. We're going to do it next month at our, some other events we're going to. That's the game plan. That's going to be the play for us. And I think that's been a huge game changer for sure. You know, I, I think it's um, it's kind of classic marketing sales is everyone's events had been like put on pause for for two or three years. And now they're, they're back with a vengeance and everyone wants to be there. And it's also because LinkedIn grew so much too. And AI has proliferated like the amount of spam that people are getting in their inboxes that you can break through the noise from a sales and marketing perspective, just actually in person in front of someone. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, what's the, anything in particular that, that you've seen as like your highest impact marketing initiative this year? Yeah, that's as well. Um, okay. No, it's, it's not that I know the answer. I, I'm asked a follow question. When you say highest impact, what what does that mean to you? Let's okay. Good question. Let's let's define it. What has driven the largest amount of high intent pipeline for you? Okay. Is there any particular channel or tactic? Yeah. So when we started doing Yeah, I think it was just straight up. I mean, this <laughs> again, it's what we do. So, you know, it's kind of a little but it actually works out. When we just were at the event and we had a camera and just we were filming and getting people. Uh, and so what we did is I just said, hey, we're gonna go to we're gonna go to Saster and we're gonna film some content for you know one camp more campaign that we were doing for somebody. But we posted up near the like sponsor booth, or not the sponsor, like the sponsor, you know, banner or whatever, and then the Saster banner. And then we just filmed content and we literally just stood there and people were coming in like, yo, what's going on? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll film you. And then people come up and be like, hey, like, why do you have the camera? And it's like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. And they were like, oh, we want to do that. Boom. Lead. Right. So people just come up being like, wait, you're filming? Like, we want to do that with our company. Like, cool. So we we got a lot of leads and just conversation just from filming the content. And we stayed in a central spot with the banners in the backdrop of what was going on, which was pretty cool. So instead of instead of creating a white paper, if you want to build the true lead magnet, go to where a bunch of your customers are going to be and just hold up a camera and people <laughs> will start to flock towards you. <laughs> but that was it. That I mean, that was I, 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 the thing is, if you ask me this, like at the end of the year, I'll actually probably have some different answers because we most of the big marketing pieces that like I've invested into are next month. Um, so I'll have, I'll have a different I will definitely have a different answer by the end of November, but if I say like right now, it was just going to Sasser and having the camera. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Who are the closest people in your professional circle and why are they so important to you? Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, before I was with people, I think before I even name that and tell, tell why, I think it's important to have people that are extremely close to you because you do need someone that can be in the trenches and that can be an ally for you. Because if you don't have that, it makes things incredibly more difficult across the board. And so just just knowing that is is key. 
So I want to state that before, you know, anyone, you know, before you're like, okay, how do I think about it? That's how you should think about it. So a couple people come to mind. Um, you know, the people on my team of like Stuart, you know, Anish, uh, great people, uh, people outside of the space, like a Chris, et cetera, uh, that that's, you know, I, I support me and on the team. Uh, some people that I've just had really good relationships with, uh, Christina Brady, Amy Volus, Christine Rogers, great people. You know, I, I would consider, you know, John also is a good friend as well. You know, we, we chop it up from time to time still. So there, there's always just good things there. And even people at the old company still, you know, we, we chop it up. I, I'd give it to Ralph Barcy as well. Uh, really been been a good mentor since like day one. Uh, so that was great there. Well, and then I would also say like Roger Jefferson as a, as a piece of it. And there's, there's many more people I, I can mention. I'm not going to go down a whole list, but those are a tons of people that I continuously always connect with. <clears throat> I'm having conversations with uh, as a part of it. And then I just continuously always just like vet, you know, are these, are these people in my corner? Are they not? I mean, that's what she always has to decide, but those are just some people to name. Yeah. I, I spoke with Roderick recently. Guy's a gem. He's awesome. He is. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Um, all right. I two more questions before we get you out of here. So this this one, I've been asking everyone this because it turned into be turned out to be super clarifying for me. And that is five years from now, how are you spending your time during an ideal day? Ten? Five years. Right? You got twenty four hours. What does like an ideal day look like for you? So the way that I look at this is that I am, I'm like 98% there where I'm not on the camera as much. And so one thing that I have been working on is how can I truly become more of an executive producer and not always be on, which is why I'm building AMP to do that. And so I'm, I'm really in a place where I'm not, I'm not saying like a way, like I'm not retreating from life, but I'm, I'm in a very different spot where like, I'm not, I'm probably, I'm not living in the city. Uh, I'm actually probably living outside the city. I don't know. I probably got like a, a rainforest somewhere. It'd be like a very serene and, and calm environment of where I'm at in my life. Uh, and that allows me to just continuously be creative at the highest level I can, but I don't always have to be on because since I've started, I've always, ha I've always been on. I don't want to have to do that for the rest of my life, to be fair, which is why I've started so early. And so that's the way that I would look at that. And really, it's just a, a place where I'm able to have the creativity. You know, I can, I don't know, build Legos if I want to, right? I can travel to wherever I want to, and I can fully embrace my life because of the things that I've built uh, from now into the into those five years. So it's really just actually enjoying life and, and, and the pleasures of it at the highest degree uh, and having the freedom to do so. Uh, in a place where I feel I have calming and, and good energy. Uh, that's really the way that I think about it. Yes, you know, I'm running my business and I have great relationships and things of that nature, but it's really where I'm at a place of where I can have that serenity across the board and do those things. That That's that's how I think about it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Uh, all right, last question I'd like to get people out of here on is, what's one lesser piece of advice that you think about almost every single day? This is going to sound like, really cliche but and i have it in front of me it's a sticky note it's like never quit and i think about that every single day because it's like what if so and so would have quit so for example if you think about every great person basketball whatever michael jordan what if he quit after the pistons beat him up 
What if he was like, ah, I'm, I'm getting beat up too much, coach. I don't want to do this anymore. He doesn't win six championships. He doesn't get the Jordan shoe, right? He doesn't become a billionaire. What if Brady was like, you know what? I got picked the seventh round and I'm just, I hate Brady, but like, um, as a, as a Patriot, I'm a Falcons fan, but like, I, I, I respect him as a, as a competitor. Um, what if he was like, yeah, you know what? Seventh round, I'm a backup, I'm done. And he just mailed it and he just stopped. Right? Like, I think about all these things and really the cornerstone of advice, if you look at anyone who is great, is to never quit. And I do believe that to a degree, if you're banging your head against all something that doesn't actually work, yeah, you should pivot but you should never actually quit because at some point you will figure it out. It just comes down to, will you quit though? Cause when you quit, you lose everything, right? You lose seeking of fulfillment. You lose a thrill of journey. You lose uh, to the soul of fulfillment and you become a shell of your person and you become miserable cause you quit. Cause you always knew that you, you wanted to go do that thing. So my advice that I always look at and why I had this in front of me, never quit because like, if I quit, it would be a way worse feeling than like how I feel in the moment when like something's not going right and I got to go figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's a good reminder too, right? Like I think, um, everything we want is on the other side of heart. And so it's always important to, to keep that in mind. Well, Maureen, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. Um, I'm really glad we got a chance to, to chop it up and get through some of this stuff. And I can't wait to see the next round of marketing stuff coming our way from AMP and everything else you guys are doing. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Where can people find you? Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn, Morgan J. Ingram. Uh, also on YouTube, Morgan J. Ingram as well. And yeah, go check out um, ampcreative.io or AMP as well. Awesome. That's a wrap. See you soon.